share your experience. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here. And I am here to share my experience, strength, and hope, and hopefully um, say something that will resonate with some of you or that you can relate to. So my name is Rachel. I am a compulsive overeater. And I have been in this program for five and a half years now. I came in at the age of 57, a late bloomer, you could say. So I just want to start my timer too. Okay. So um, yeah, when I came into the program, I had, um, I was about 30 pounds overweight. And to me, that didn't seem like a lot at that point because I had lost 100 pounds twice in my lifetime. I had just come off losing that 100 pounds for the second time. And I knew if I kept doing what I was doing, I was going to gain all 100 back. It was serious enough for me and scary enough that I recalled a couple of conversations that I had had with people who had mentioned OA and passing to me. So one of the things that I think is important is that we do share. When people ask us, you've changed, you, you look great, you seem better, you're sane, you, you, know, you seem to be in touch with a spiritual power. I, I think it's important. I'm always anxious to share, yes, um, I'm a member of Overeaters Anonymous. That's how I've done this. Um, and I don't share that with everyone, but I share that with people that I think will benefit from that. Because it was so important to how I got here. I did have two people do that. How I actually walked through the door was when the third person who mentioned it to me said, I will meet you and walk in with you. And these were in-person meetings. They were not Zoom meetings back then. And had she not done that, I would not have walked through the door. Um, so I've maintained a normal body weight now for the last five years. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. I've never done that before in my entire life. I have clothes that I actually wear out now. I was, I don't track days. I really don't track days, but I can tell you, I, I don't binge on food anymore. I can't tell you the last time I did, it's been forever. Um, it was always the recreational foods that were an issue for me. Eating after dinner was an issue for me. Eating in between meals was an issue for me. Those are behaviors that I don't do anymore. Three meals a day. I don't snack in between. I don't eat after dinner. I don't take seconds. Those are things, those were behaviors that were making me obese. Those are things I had to learn to uh, change. And I was willing to change. Um, because when I came into this program, I was not a very happy person. And there was no reason for me not to be happy. I had a wonderful marriage. I have a wonderful husband. I have two wonderful kids. I have six grandchildren. I had a job that was, I maybe didn't always like because I didn't get, a, get along well. My relationships were miserable with some people. Um, I tended to be resentful. Uh, I tended to be jealous. I always thought that I didn't get enough self-respect, uh, that I wasn't well-liked. I thought I knew what everyone else was thinking. What I have learned is that I really didn't. 
I didn't know what other people were thinking. I was processing the information that I was receiving from the world through this diseased filter of mine. My disease lives in my head for sure. And it will distort everything that comes its way, especially when it's being fed by uh, the red list foods for me when I'm binging. That is the craziest that my disease can get. And that is my addiction. That's the influence of it. That's being under the influence of my chosen drug, which is food. That being said, I can be obsessive and compulsive about nearly anything. I come from a family of alcoholics. My dad was an alcoholic. I have brothers who were alcoholics. That could have been my addiction as well. Um, thanks to my husband, that didn't pan out. Um, I was a smoker, very hard to give up smoking. Even as a young child, I had a pacifier that I couldn't get rid of until I was five years old. My dad took me to the landfill and said, you're going to have to throw that away. You, you can't possibly go to school with a pacifier in your mouth. Um, so that's, that's me. That's, that's my disease. And it, it could have taken any form, but it, it seemed to uh, choose food. And I think I found as a, as a young child, I found safety and I found comfort in my food. As I said, I had a dad who was alcoholic. And uh, sometimes after an episode, my mom might say to me, here, you know, here's a cookie or here's some something else. And I learned to associate that with comfort and safety. Um, and that's a hard connection to break once you've made that connection, especially as a child. So my life was out of balance. And I have to say my favorite program word really is balance. Um, and I think that my recovery and my recovery is continuing and ongoing and I will be recovering, I'm sure, until the day I die, as long as I stick with this program. But I don't believe I'll ever say I'm recovered. Um, I just don't think for me that that's, I enjoy the process of recovering. I enjoy living this life of recovery. I now enjoy being open and teachable and honest with myself about my foods, about my food behaviors, um, and being, all those things have brought me into balance. So I'm not running around helter-skelter all the time. I used to get up in the morning and, and think to myself, I will just, I have so much to do today. And I would just keep myself on this mad race. And then at the end of the day, I would say, I'll just rest when I'm dead. And I wasn't really suicidal. But now when I think about that, I think, yeah, you kind of were because you were looking forward to being dead so that you can rest. And part of that rest was not feeling all that misery that I felt. One of the biggest things for me, well, there are a lot of big things about this program for me, humility. I had to finally accept that not only was I not better than anyone else, I also was not worse than anyone else. And I was always, I always had this measuring stick. I was always trying to measure up. I never could. I, I just, I did, always felt like I failed at that. 
So when I began to accept humility as a really important part of this program, then I could begin to accept myself just as I was, but accept you guys too, accept everybody else in my world. I didn't have to change everybody all the time anymore. I could let people be who they were. And it was okay. And it was okay that I was who I was. Not perfect. So not perfect. Perfectly imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. That's what I am. I'm human being. And it's okay. I get that now. So putting down the food helped me clear out my head. Um, you know, I struggled with abstinence. What, what abstinence meant, I struggled with that in the beginning of this program. I didn't know what that was. I knew what the definition was as defined by OA, but what did it mean for me? And that kept me from really working the program in a, in a strong way for a long time. Um, I finally... When I gave up trying to be perfect, that's when I began to hang on to what abstinence was for me. Because perfection is what drove me, trying to, striving for, 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 for perfection is what drove me to my disease. And striving for perfection is what will drive me out of these rooms. Because if I fail, I'm gonna feel like I, I just can't do it and I'll leave. Now that I know I'm perfectly imperfect, I know what that means for me and I can live with that. So I also, um, spiritually, that's been huge for me too, because I went to church every Sunday for an hour and I visited God, but I, I didn't take God to church. I did not bring God home. I have found a higher power that I live with 24-7. And um, there's a reading in the big book that I'll share with you at the end that I that I like about how that works for me. But that higher power for me um, is within me and always has been is also outside of me and runs through me. There is no there is no separation from that anymore. That was a tough connection for me to make. Thanks, Trace. Um, so I have certain things that I do every day to to maintain my recovery um you know i um i read i write i pray i meditate um i try to get outside do a little exercise um i'm fortunate i'm retired so i have some extra time but i get up early in the morning to do those things because the day goes by without my noticing if i don't all these things that I do, the sponsoring, the service, the, um, you know, anything that I do that's program related, I consider that to be an investment in my recovery. And I get a huge return. So it's definitely worth it. And for me, work equals product. If I'm working the program a lot, I get a better product. If I'm not working the program, I don't get such a good product. And I have good days that go so smoothly. And then I have days when I'm still tempted. I'm still tempted. And I turn to those tools and I ask my higher power, please help me. Please help me. So the, the one thing that I did want to share with you is from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's page 346. And it's about middle of the way down that page. It says, 
Through my years of darkness, some spark of spirit remained in me, helped me survive until I found my way into AA. Then, nurtured by the program, that inner spirit grew, deepened, until it filled the emptiness I had so long felt inside. Step by step, I moved to a spiritual awakening. Step by step, I cleared up the past and got on with the present. That spirit for me, I believe, was my higher power all along. And it was that spirit, my higher power spirit, that my disease tried so hard to kill and could not extinguish. And when I walked into the first OA door, that's when I was in touch with my higher power and it has blossomed. And I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start the day. I'm ready to live life in color and I can't wait. So I thank you all for letting me share today. And I think that maybe today's topic is about how are you in touch with your higher power? So thank you.